good stuff. I think people are getting really cranked. Oh, work is hard. All right, welcome into another episode of Woodward Tigers here at woodwardsports.com. I'm Rahil Kassilin, that means Uper and John. Chris Brown will be joining us momentarily. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, of course, at woodwardsports.com if you go to the podcast section. Also, we have a really good news section there. We're cranking out stories all the time. Woodward Pistons is doing their thing. And we have Maddie out with the lines out everywhere. We have Michael Gentry over at Woodward Wings. So there's been a lot of activity going on. And, of course, check out the the variety of shows we have, the Big D Energy more, the morning wood and the morning wood, the morning show. That <laughs> used to be the old name of it. Sorry, it was the old name of the show. Armani Edwards with Maz, and of course, the heavyweights. And I know John's clipping for them now. So, congratulations on clipping for the show. So, but nice. good evening, everybody. Good evening to Jeremy, who is always on the show. I monitor the shows now because I'm doing web stuff now for Woodward, and Jeremy's a participant in a lot of shows. And shout out to Christopher. Good evening to you as well from, I believe, Toledo. Yeah, he's a, I think he's Toledo. So plenty to get to this evening. We're gonna, The end of the season is finally here, and for the Tigers, rather. But the postseason starts tomorrow. We'll talk about the MLB postseason matchups a little bit. Not going too depth or anything. Not going to make any predictions because, quite frankly, I really wouldn't, wouldn't – I think there's so much – it's not a foregone conclusion. I don't think the Dodgers are going to – I, I want to believe the Dodgers are going to win NL. But again, crazy. That's why I love all baseball. Postseason, all bets are off. We'll get to that. We'll get to. We have some awards to go to. You know, some like MVP, Tiger MVP, breakout player, most disappointing, which is everything if you really think about it in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> uh, moment of the year too. But we posted a video yesterday on Wilbur Tigers. John posted a really good job. A very good video of the year, and one comment really hurt me a little bit, which was, oh, they lost uh, 96 games. Oh, no, no, duh. Yeah, we, we were, I was there. I was writing about them. I was covering them. But that pretend that nothing good existed during the season. Yeah, there, there's some numbers. Again, I think if anybody really listens to the podcast or listens to the show, it's like one of those things that I know John's relatively new to the show and everything, but if you've listened to us long enough for the, the long-time hardcore listeners, we are – Uper is not afraid to point <laughs> things out like that. And if you read Motor City Bengals, you would quickly know that, and same thing with myself or Chris. But, yeah, the Tigers finished September October with a 16-16 and 16 record, so the Scott Harris era is – what was the record overall, John? Was, was it, it a, three, something like that? They were ten and two, and then they they lost the last two games, so ten and four. So, not too shabby, not too shabby. Yeah, a lot of people, jobs and all that, fighting for jobs and all that stuff. But there's, I think for roster wise, you. I'll start with you in terms of the Seattle series. Mm-hmm. We saw Jerry Kalanick there, who's been playing better as of late for the Mariners. The Mariners will be taking on. Toronto, and that's a that's a matchup, by the way, of the 1977 expansion teams for anybody that, out there. Those, that is cool. Yeah, that is p- pretty cool, considering the the history of Toronto. But Toronto's won two World Series. Seattle's not, and this is the first time Seattle's been in the postseason since 2002. So they broke their spell. And by the way, I love this comment already from Detroit Baseball, and that is spot on. I see people having strong opinions on this team. They also watched 20 or 30 games this year, and I'm just 
like I watch 85% of mine even complain that much. Yeah, there is a and there's a lot of Chris. We should do Chris the Chris Federer award. The and that would be if if I gave Chris Federer an award, it what would it be? It would technically be one of the the medical cross, Red Cross. <laughs> That's what it'd be. It'd be the Red Cross. The Red Cross. And him going up to the mound and just or him standing there over the mound just like shaking somebody's hand or something to that effect. I don't know. He's done a he was a, a miracle worker this year, but. But yeah, in terms of the Seattle series, we saw Spencer Wilson go back to back, which was good. Back to back home runs and the doubleheader on, I believe it was Tuesday night. We saw some things from Riley Green throughout the last couple of weeks. But Youper, what was your la- some of the impressions from this last series? Of course, also Greg Gregory Soto breaking down, and, and John Boy Media did a video of him fielding his position, which I found funny. But I haven't seen a Chapman video because he's been do- struggling with the Yankees. But what do I know? I think what we saw, obviously, they're playing out the string, and they showed up and played hard. They, they lost three out of four in Seattle, but still, they're playing some decent baseball. The, uh, the Mariners, once they clinched their position, obviously, they were uh, playing things carefully, too. But I like watching into the season baseball. You know what things are winding down. It's going to be gone for a few months. So I always try to watch those last few games come hell or high water and just see who does what. I think... Torkelson looked better, but I think when you look at Kellenic, if you you look at how ballyhooed he was as a prospect, he's the guy. I'll be honest with you. In the in the Casey Mize draft, Kellenic was my guy. I was hoping they'd get him, but he's obviously been off to an extremely slow start. So Spencer Torkelson can take some heart in that, and no one should be giving up on Kellenic. Just like no one should be giving up on Torkelson. We're going to see how things progress over the next. Actually, to be honest, over the next decade for both of those guys. But it was a good series. It was a good one to, to, to wrap up the season on. They had a good win to start the series, and the rest of the games were entertaining. Yeah, a lot, a lot of close games. Uh, one guy I wanted to highlight was Akil Badu. I think he really finished the season pretty strong. Uh, I believe in game one, he had two stolen bases. He was drawing walks. He looked a lot better to end the season. That was really nice to see. And uh, Ryan Garcia, man, he, he had a decent start. Surprised the heck out of a lot of people, I feel like. But like you said, a lot of the games were close. I feel they hung in there. I don't know how Mariners, they pitched uh, Luis Torres, I believe, in the 10th inning. That was that was interesting. But <laughs> the games were close. They scored some runs. They scored six runs in the in both doubleheader games. So they looked better. But I'm, I'm going to take away from it Akil Badu. I think he looked Pretty pretty good to end the season. What about you, Raj? As far as Akiba Du is concerned, he had better at bats, and that's something that have the Tigers have to build on for next year because their outfield situation right now is I I people think it's somewhat predictable, but I think it's really up in the air. Outside of Riley Green, uh, you really don't know. Austin Meadows will be back, but again, there's a lot of things with him mentally and physically. Again, that's a, that's just something that not a foregone conclusion. But Riley Green is. I, I, I do. I think if he continues to work in the offseason, he will get better. I was last year, early this year. I thought he said, I, "I admit it. I thought he would be fine. I thought he had a good year, but that didn't happen." And it was quick. Again, you have to. You have to really we see buddy in spring training because he was hitting home runs off lefties. He had a really good spring training. And then you have to you have to tell yourself every time it's spring training. It doesn't matter. 
<laughs> and that's exactly I fell for that. I really admitted fall, fall, falling for that. But there was one event yesterday after the game that stood out before above anything else. And I think to me, a lot of really a lot of fans out there were, oh, we had some uh, some minor league news here, free agency news here. I was tagged here by uh, by the way, bro, Miguel Del Pozo and Dustin Garneau have elected free agency. So those are Tiger minor league free agent signings that are no longer in the system. So there we go. But uh, so getting back to it. So yesterday it was after the game and the yeah, Matt Shepard, Dan Petrie, Jack Morris wrapping up the season, thinking about what they're doing next year for 2023. And shout out to Twi- more at more 9924 on Twitter for posting this. And I did a story about it because I felt that it was important. And I'll just display the audio and we'll go from there. Completely apart, just start over again. I don't think they want to come out either and just say, hey, we're going to make the playoffs. But I would think that somebody is just going to say, look, there's going to be an improvement over this year. But let's just see what moves are made and, and who we see come in the whole way, too. You're going to need offense. You're going to need starting pitching. As Jack said, what's going to happen with the bullpen? So once you have a pretty good indication of, Who's leaving? Who's coming in? Then you can better, I think, say, okay, what are the chances of the team being a 500 team or being over 500 team? It's just a matter of who and how this thing is reconstructed. Look, I love my my friend Dan Petrie. I'm going to totally disagree. I think you've got to expect to make the playoffs. Okay, this is a franchise. It's a proud franchise. It's an original league franchise that has won four World Series. Not since these guys suited up in 1984. That's unacceptable. St. Louis has 11. The Dodgers have won 10 straight division titles, for crying out loud. The Braves have won six in a row. It's ridiculous. The bar has to be set higher for the Tigers. And A.J. Hinch admits it. You don't want to cover losing teams any longer. He wants to play meaningful games. We've taken good players and thinking that they're great, great players, that we're making them almost iconic when really that bar is set on a too low of a basis. Detroit has got to get back to expecting bigger things. That was Matt Shepard on the broadcast yesterday. So again, the sound part of the sound was recorded off TV. But I, I will say this: first and foremost, some of the comments were, "Oh, it's about time." Oh, you should have said something before. Let me let me clear something up once and for all. The guy works for the team. Okay, you're not going to go out there and bash a team every single night. What kind of stupid <laughs> b- is that? I'm sorry to swear, but some of the comments were just. Brutal and just stupid. Look, you can have a problem the way he calls the game. Whatever, fine. I personally do not understand this, and I will. That part you can, you can have a problem with it. Whatever, fine. Danny Christian's <laughs> better. Whatever you want to have that debate, fine. I miss uh, Mario Pimrel. And I say that because I just think it's ridiculous. The guy is a professional. You're not gonna go out there and bash a team. You want to be Mar- champion. You guys, for the audience out there, a little uh, older audience, some people remember this. You, I'm sure you do remember this. Mark Champion was the voice of the Detroit Lions on the radio before Dan Miller was. He was very critical of the Lions and did not hold back. Yep. Guess who didn't have a job anymore? Mark Champion. <laughs> and you talk about the yeah. Lions. You talk about the Tigers being sensitive about things. The Lions are pretty sensitive too. But that was the past. Of the past, whatever. I thought what he said was fine, and he spoke from the heart. 
his fandom showed whatever, whatever you want to say, but knock it off. Oh, him and Johnny Kane need to go. They have effing jobs to do. You, what a kind of <laughs> stupid. To me, it just makes no sense. You want them to go out there and go, oh, the Tigers suck. No, sh- we don't have to f- see that. I just, they got a job to do. They're professionals. You act like an idiot out there on Twitter and your keyboard warrior BS. I, look, and, and I, I feel differently now because maybe I work and I see this all the time. Those guys go out there and bust their ass. And they're entitled to show a little bit of emotion. And I thought Shep, what he said was fine. And he's, again, whether you not like his play-by-play play play is solely subjective. It's like, you might like country music, Uper. John, you might like, I don't know, whatever 20-year-olds are listening to these days. Sounds so old. But we all are it's subjective. It really is. And the fact that he got a lot of... Ooh, it's showing that he still doesn't get a pass for, for, being, for being not objective for it. What? That doesn't make any sense. None. None. You can't... For example, do you think that everybody out there loves their job? And they go... Like, for example, if you're a flight attendant, and you got to deal with BS people all day who are going to yell at you about whatever. And you just go, <laughs> like United Airlines or whatever, insert airlines. And they pay me. They they have a job to do. And I think that there's one thing about this entire season. Matt Shepard has every right to be as frustrated as he's been. You're out there. And he's watched every game. Every game. He has to call and see things that just go in your mind that you're screaming as a fan. I'm no, I'm no fans are screaming at the TV when they've seen the Tigers play this year. You think that Matt Shepard wanted to say something? Yeah, but he's a professional. Let him be. What the, some of the look. There's no question. Yeah, he had to. Deeper. He had to pick his spots, right? If he if he does that every week, he's not going to have a job. He picked his spot the most effective time with a new general manager coming in was right in the aftermath of game 162, where basically the season is now flatlined. It's over. And we're looking ahead for the first time to 2023. And he spoke his piece. And what he said, there was nothing wrong with what he said. He spoke from the heart. And I think he was right. There's no reason with the wild card situation that we have these days, there's no reason to shoot for 500. If you're going to shoot for 500, you might as well do a little bit extra to get to 86 wins and make a wild card. So, yeah, I, I thought what he's, I'm not his biggest fan, but I thought what he said was great and there's nothing wrong with it. It certainly was more powerful than what Petrie had to say, which was, let's see what happens. Yeah, I, I literally liked what he said about like the Tigers having good players and thinking they're great and stuff like that. Cause we've been led to believe that like, guys like Jamer Candelario and Jonathan Scope are like part of this team's core. But in in reality, like these guys, a lot of these guys on this 40-man roster aren't MLB players. Like most of these guys, like no offense, but like Willie Castro and, and Victor Reyes, like these guys, they're not players that you build a team around. And I think the expectations have just been so low that we've been conditioned to to believe that these are guys that you can build a team around when in reality, most of the guys on this 40-man roster probably shouldn't even be on a 40-man roster. As far as Candelario and Scope goes, I think I beg to differ about that because I, until this year, Candelario has been the team leader in hits in war last two seasons, strike season, yeah. or excuse me, the COVID season rather, and last season. So 
don't know what happened to him this year, but he's a completely different player. He's falling back to some of his tendencies he had back in 20, 20, 2019. Yeah. But as far as scope goes, same thing. Scope has been has had a good track record of being a 20 home run guy, 30 home run guy at times. Again, he's fallen off. He's had one of the worst OAA numbers out there, out above average. And defensively, he's fine. But if you're not going to be able to produce at the plate, then what's the point? Well, as yeah, far but, as- yeah. But the, these are guys you don't build a playoff team around Jonathan Scope and Jammer Candelario. Yeah, that's what I, I was getting at. I think I think if they're to me, if you had better players surrounding them, the numbers would indicate otherwise. Because you put a lot on Spencer Torkelson at the beginning of the year that without a guy who had a track record. Riley Green was injured half the year. To be fair to those two, especially just those two, even Baez to a certain extent. Baez first half of the year was had an injured thumb. The second half of the year, he was a, a average player, two point three war. Somebody said his first half or his second half numbers were mediocre. I'm sorry, I didn't know 2.3 WAR was a mediocre thing. It's, it's not. If you had a, if you had the same season, the first half of the season, but you have four WAR player, but pe- people forget he had it under thumb. Yes, did he strike out a lot? Absolutely. But every again, I, I think I don't know why people forget that what Javi Baez was before they signed him. You're right, Jeremy. No one watches the game. They just watch the highlights and go, "That's Javi Baez. That's who he is." He swings at crappy pitches, and that's who he is. In reality, that's not him. That yes, he he does swing at bad pitches, but a little more to his game. You're a position player. Thumbs and wrists are the worst thing, man. Yeah, exactly. You're with your when you're batting and you're doing everything you can with your hands and your thumb and you're you're flexing that. It's not the same. You don't have the same snap when you go to when you go swing or. Um, you know what, Detroit? <laughs> yeah, no, you did, but in, in I think it's Williams Cameron. It, look, bottom line is, yes, you did contribute to the outrage, but at the same time, you're just telling the truth. And yeah, he's he's been really, like I said, as he said to you in the chat, since mid June, he's had his average numbers. I don't know what else people want. I I just that's the part I think, John. To get back to what you're saying. If those guys, if Baez had a better first half, if Candelario was even a smidge of the player or even scope, I think we'd be looking a little differently on how the, the rest of the season goes. As far as what you said about Willie Castro and all them, I agree with that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's there's a lot of microcosm of things. There's a lot of things that went wrong this season. So, did any of you think, either of you think that when Matt Shepard was going on his little run there that's this was a guy who knew he wasn't coming back next year uh see i was gonna bring that up uh, <laughs> i don't think that's the case by the way i just no just, i don't you could, you could think that i don't yeah i don't think so i really just think it was he had to sit through every pitch every inning of this dreadful season and i think it, all, all that just built up in him and it, it came out at the end of the year that that's my theory yeah that's i i agree with i agree with both of you a lot of people say oh he's gone and and blah 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 but it's it's one of those things where I really oh yeah that's that helps my Candelario thing Candelario after All Star break all right so not amazing but he does all right I can take that by the way there's some there's a certain Twitter follower on there who refuses to give Candelario any type of love and I'll I'll tell you guys off air but every time can, there's any Candelario stat they're met with 
mediocrity and all this stuff. But I think you, if you know me enough to know, I think you, and John, I think you pretty much, maybe John maybe knows too, but just certain people out there that go out of their way to point out when somebody is bad, but never, yeah. ever, ever say anything when they're good. I, I, the hypocrisy of that is nonsense to me. Like I, like things, if we look at some of our season predictions in the beginning of the year, we could go back to it. I think we actually, I was asked, uh, Chris was supposed to bring that up, but hopefully he does later, but what we got wrong. I was wrong about Akil Badu. I thought Tarek Skubal was going to take another step forward towards being a top five American league pitcher. I we mean, could talk, we could talk about that later. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, but either way, there's, it was, and, and Christopher in the YouTube chat said it the best. Shep's rant was probably well-deserved. A lot had to be said about Avila's lack of creativity. And he's absolutely right. I, I think that if you look at some of the moves towards the end, the, again, I shouldn't have to predict what the Tigers are going to do in the offseason. They're going to pick up Julio Tehran or Matt Moore because that's what they're doing. They're, they're looking for bargain bin. It's like going to the Best Buy getting the, or going to Target or whatever and getting those uh, dollar store DVDs. By the way, I Tycop419 one has a really good question. We'll get to that a little later, which is his question was Ooh. considering the most of the top prospects are already used up their rookie status. Who do you think the 2023 Tiger rookie of the year will be? And that's a very, very good question that deserves some thought, but we'll get to that, like that a little later towards the question part of the show. But I, I don't know. I just think that to me, the biggest takeaway from the Matt Shepard thing is, is that what his rant really was, it was fine. It was harmless. He had every right to vent. Everybody out there who was trying to give him some crap and say, where was this all year long? Do yourself a favor. Think about the job you have, okay? Think about it for a second. If you have a job you don't like, imagine going in and complaining about it every day and saying it out loud. He gets to call baseball games for a living. Yeah. He, this is, he has said this is his dream job. This year, I got to cover the team in the ballpark. My goal next year is to do some away games, but I got, I'm got i living out what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I'm not going to you – know, as much as this team has been bad, I'm not going to – I'll say my piece, but I'm also not going to bash these players either. It's just – it's not bash, but for example, Ryan Kreidler didn't have a good offensive year when he got called up. We're just going to call it the way we see it. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing personal because I think it's ridiculous. But anyway, all right, enough of that because I really – oh, man, I feel better. Again, the article, I put it in our YouTube chat, and I'll put it in our show notes for tonight. The article, I uh, transcribed the audio because the audio, like I said, little sounds a little off, but – yeah. But uh, moving on, so we're looking at now the our Detroit Tigers season awards – which I'm gonna probably wait till Chris gets here because I do want Chris's input on this. So we can, we can talk about we can talk about the biggest takeaways for the season, biggest positives, biggest negatives. So, you, I'll start with you in terms of what was your biggest takeaway for the Tiger season in 2022? Obviously, they were hit with such a rash of injuries. There was no way they were gonna fulfill any expectations this year. And something that I've held in my mind tried to hold in my mind through the season has been that if they can get some guys back next year and the new GM is as talented as we hope and make some right decisions, I honestly don't think they're that far 
from being competitive. Because I believe with the wild card situations and the weak division that they're in, there's no reason to wallow where they are and expect that's where they're going to be. So if, if Riley Green takes a step forward, Torkelson takes a step forward, a couple of the pitchers come back, they can be competitive. That's what I felt because I, I really believe that one thing Fetter did was use all the guys at his disposal. They didn't feel like a 95-loss baseball team to me, 96-loss baseball team pitching-wise. And I really believe they can put together a presentable staff next year closer to what we hoped this year's would be. Uh, now, granted, Mize won't be back, and uh, Manning is up and down with injuries, but I think there's enough talent there. They can put this together next year and uh, hopefully not be in the top 10 of the draft again. Yeah, I think the pitching was I, the pitching was not bad this year. The bullpen was the best Tigers bullpen I've seen in a, in a really long time. Joe Jimenez was great. Alex Lange was really good. Will Vest, Jason Foley, Andrew Chafin. And I think this, the starting pitching, it, it was a little underrated too. Matt Manning, he struggled to stay healthy, but when he was healthy, he, he looked pretty damn good. Eduardo Rodriguez, again, he struggled to stay on the field this year, but he was solid when he pitched. And, and Joey Wentz was a guy that seemed to break out at the end of the year. Bro, Bo Brisky, he wasn't that bad either. Garrett Hill, I liked what I saw from him. So the pitching, man, it really it was not bad this year. And that's what I, I want people to take away is the Tigers have struggled to, to find pitching in, in recent years. And I know the offense was historically bad. But I, but I think the pitching is something people need to pay a little more attention to. Oh, yeah, Brisky for Rookie of the Year. I don't know about that, but uh, he wasn't bad. What about you, Raj? This is the way I look, the way I look at the season. I think as you, I think Huber's correct that this was not – it doesn't feel like a 95 losing team because you look at the Royals, for example. The Royals just fired oh. – Mike Matheny, they fired college. They got rid of them all. Everybody. Everybody. And the Royals pitching was terrible. I mean, it was, it was awful. And I thought – and Uper and I have talked about this since the beginning of the year. We thought that the Royals, as far as their draft strategy was concerned, going after pitching was a smart idea. We've actually, this goes back almost two years now. We've talked about yeah. this and it, it, it just turned out to be a thing where they were doing these low key moves, signing guys they're familiar with from Atlanta for the great more or like the, the veteran deals and nothing. it didn't work out. And the Royals have to cut it from scratch. They have some offensive pieces by Witt Jr., what have you. But get back to the Tigers. I think, yeah, I think Chris Fetter deserves a medal of honor, some sort, for what he did with the pitching staff. You saw Drew Hutchison come out and be serviceable. You saw a lot of guys be serviceable. Brian, If you would have told me that Brian Garcia would be starting games and give you almost a quality he was start. good. He won. Yeah, he won. Listen, 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 though. But this is a guy who was his K per nine. Out of the bullpen was bad. He was losing velocity a little bit, and he comes out and goes five or six innings. He's no. never been a starter. He wasn't a starter in college. He was a closer, closer. at the University yeah. of Miami. Yeah, and I've, to come out yeah. there and to make Just... him a starter. Look, there there should be some monument somewhere between Toledo and Detroit somewhere <laughs> that says fixed here, like something to that effect. It's it's some that's pretty pretty significant. But so to me, I think. I think my biggest takeaway from the season is that the Tigers did not do enough to address the depth issues because when 
I, I was again, I was pretty adamant about this since the beginning of the year. You didn't do anything to have a backup for Spencer Torkelson. You don't have, the, you don't have what you had last year in Toledo with William Rodriguez or Nunez, but Ronaldo Nunez was, let's, let's be honest, folks, he wasn't that good. But you didn't have a backup for first base. To me, I thought that was that was some bad preparation on Al Avila's part because even Toledo, Toledo even have a, a steady first baseman that I can think of that was outside of Josh Lester. And Josh Lester got a call off too, and it was good for him to see that. But I think the, the one of the things that I think outside of the injuries, we talked about the rotation and everything was the other takeaway was that Riley Green is going to be good. Yeah. Riley Green in his numbers, if you look at, again, I said this, I was talking about this last week, the adjustments he made and for his age and hitting the hard ball contact. I mean, there's so much good things uh, in terms of uh, talking about that. Wait, wait, Jeremy just said, People were talking about firing Feder on Woodward Tay on Armani and Edwards with Maz. I'm gonna who are a, these? Wait, wait. Who yeah. are these people? If it was Maz, I'm gonna have a talk with Maz. If it was Maz, I want to know who these people, people are. There are people who will question because so many got hurt, so many pitchers got hurt that they're saying, "Hey, what does Feder do to contribute to that?" Which is uh, asinine. But that's what I had read. Oh, they have a fat trainer. That means that they're uh, getting bad advice. Get. <laughs> Man, D-Mac, D-Mac, okay. Oh, D-Mac asked the question. Okay, all right. That's a fair, okay. Darren McCarty, if you ask the question, she get fired. Darren, I can answer that for you. Hell no. Hell to the no. Okay, if it was me in the <laughs> chat, then, all right, okay, fine. Okay, oh, okay. Chat, chat. All right, I'm going to ignore the chat for a minute because I'm, <laughs> I don't want to get fired up. I want to finish up what I was trying to say was, in other words, Riley Green is going to be really good, and, you, and Eric Haas, also biggest takeaway for Ooh. me, Eric Haas has made his case to be the number one catcher next year. Eric Haas was a horse. Haas horse, whatever. But what he did what he had to do, and he stepped up. It was it was something that Hinch said last week about the miss having Dustin Garneau because they don't have the position flexibility of putting Haas on the outfield. And he was pretty good. And, uh, okay, so everybody thought that Federer should stay. Okay, all right, cool. But, yeah, those are some of my takeaways. Yeah, no, I was looking, I saw this stat today. Tarek Skubal actually led the Tigers in innings pitch this year, which is crazy because he missed like the entire second half of the year. <laughs> and, and he still led them in innings pitch. Like, I believe they only had three pitchers who pitched over 100 innings this year. So it was just, it, it was not a good, <laughs> everything no. that went wrong seemingly went wrong, I feel yeah, like. Just that, just that for next year. You're right. Everything went wrong. You can't. You can't compile a deeper list of things that went wrong for the Tigers. <laughs> Something has to turn around their way just via the odds. What do you think about it? Yeah, Murphy's Law. If you, I don't know, I don't know what the origin of Murphy's Law is, but whoever Murphy is, if it's Al, if it's Murphy from Robocop, which would be cool. Imagine Murphy's Law being, <laughs> think about it this way. It would, it would be a political, you probably think about it because Murphy really had a bad day. He got shot up. And pretty much chopped up to death. Yes, at the hands of those gangsters in RoboCop, the original. <laughs> so Murphy's Law, where, where everything could go wrong, did go wrong for poor Murphy, and he didn't want. Yeah, anyway, I'm getting too off track. But the Tigers were the definition of Murphy's Law this year. And again, even the, the question hinge about his management skills. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this roster? This rotten. And John said it on the top of the podcast. 
this roster had a lot of issues. And so, yeah, Robo, you know what, Walter? Yeah, I'm going to go run with that. Murphy's Law was created by Murphy. It was Alex Murphy. I forgot the first guy's name in that movie. Was it? Was it Alex? I can't remember. No, no. I remember. It was just, it was just, they just called him Murphy. I can't remember. This it might have been. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Robocop was in Detroit, New Detroit, too. Which, yeah, and then they had the dad from uh, that 70s show who was also a Klingon in Star Trek 7, 6. The Vo- I think the Voyage Homer. No, the other Scrubber Country. I can't, I, I can't remember. Anyways, yeah, he was there. So, all right. All right. I don't want to get, yeah, thank you. I don't want to get too far off the beaten path there. So, MVP? MVP. Who is your MVP? John. Oh, I want to give you for some, uh, let him have the floor. Yeah, yeah. No, go yeah. ahead. Take a break. You Javier ah. Baez, Javier Baez. Listen, can he be the best player on a, on a championship team? No, but he did lead this team in pretty much every offensive category this year, led them in home runs, hits, pretty much every offensive category he led them in. He was a lot better in the second half, had a really strong month of September. And uh, like I said, if it wasn't for that that injury that he had, I think he would have had a lot better of a season. And uh, listen, I'm not worried about Javi Baez like some people are. He's only 29 years old. He's still just just entering the prime of his career. Yeah, he was, to me, the Tigers' best player. He led them in war at, at 2.6. Javi Baez, man, he, he's the MVP. He's the high, he's second highest played player behind Miggy, but... I feel like he was the Tigers' best player, which is sad to say because he had such a <laughs> such a down year. But that'd be my MVP. I tell you what, John, I I considered him strongly. I don't think you're way off on that at all. It was, uh, yeah. Who? Because who else are you going to take on this? Yeah, team? there's short pickings. <laughs> exactly. But with that said, sometimes his erratic arm irritated me a little bit. His defense left a little something to be desired. So for MVP. I can't believe I'm saying this. I went with Eric Haas. Uh, I, I, I really think he was probably their most valuable player. He came on in the second half, hit better. He played very well behind the plate at times, I thought. His arm looked good all year. And as we said, when you don't have much to pick from, you picked a guy who at least was fairly steady. And I thought he was a good presence for them more often than not. For me, I, I, I thought about this question all day. I was thinking about... Yeah, Baez would be definitely, you could make a case for Baez. You can make a case for Eric Haas, definitely, because Eric Haas provided something this year that the Tigers needed. They thought they were getting with Tucker Barnhart, which is catcher stability. They they went after Barnhart pretty quickly in the offseason to make yep. him the number one catcher, and offensively speaking, his numbers were not good. And Eric Haas just kept, kept grinding out, kept contributing. And so to me, that's that's fair. I think that those two qual those two are really good candidates for that. So I'm gonna go off. It, it, to me, it's kind of a, it's a mixture of the beaten path here because I, I know this sounds like a perhaps maybe a cop out thing, but cop out. But I would have to give my MVP to the Tigers bullpen because to me, look, I know Gregor Soto gets a lot of crap in this town. The guy had 30 saves over 93 percent save percentage, but then you can't ignore. Joe Jimenez. Jimenez had a phenomenal year, was really effective. Even Cisnero coming back was had a good uh, vote. But you had Will Vest, Alex Lang, and the bullpen kept the Tigers afloat or kept them competitive as much as they humanly could when the offense was bad. 
to me, I just with the way the offense went this year, I couldn't in good conscience feel that I could go with the MVP. To me, MVP would be a complete season of work, and the bullpen has has a complete body of work as a as a collective. So for me, that they are the MVP, and so okay. if that sounds like a cop out, screw you. I don't care because <laughs> no, um, that that's a good one. Yeah, let us know in the comments what do you, who are your yeah. guys' MVPs. I'm curious. Yeah. So anybody that's watching us on YouTube, please let us know in your comments, or even after the podcast, if you want to leave some feedback on, of course. Our social media channels, by all means, do so. But yeah, that is my MVP. So let's move on real quick. Breakout play. Well, all right. So John, John came up with the category. So breakout player. Who who surprised you the most? Like, in, oh, okay, in, a, in a positive in a positive way. Okay. Right. I, I'll I'll start. I I'm gonna go with Tarek Skubal. I I went a little out of the box here, but like you said, you didn't think he developed into an ace. I disagree. I thought he was really really good this year. His first 12 starts, he had a 2.71. ERA hit a career low walk rate. He had a 46% ground ball rate. His FIP was under three. And I think he looked really, really strong to start the season. So in terms of breaking out, I think he really took the next step into being a frontline starter. And it's very unfortunate to see him get injured because he was really putting together a great season for the Tigers. So he'd be my breakout player. How about you, Yup? I went with Alex Lang. You know, I thought, obviously, the first half of the season through the All-Star break, the guy was money. He pitched extremely well. Steady night in, night out. He ran into some real tough going after the All-Star break for about, I'd say, four or five weeks there. He struggled. ERA went way up. He was, seemed like his command was off. But what I really liked was when the calendar hit September and you think people would be running out of gas, he actually flipped the switch back on and got it together again to end the season. That, to me, is impressive because it would have been easy for a young guy to let his season keep going south and uh, just try to pack it in and go for next year. But he, he found another gear to end the season. That, to me, shows that he can come back next year and, and be a force again in their bullpen. I'll go with him as my breakout player. My comeback player, we didn't do comeback player, but it was Joe Jimenez as well. Didn't see this coming. Thought for a couple of years now he's toast, and there he was dominating for a good chunk of the season. I like yeah. the the Harold Castro shout out. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, Richard in our YouTube chat. Harold Castro again. Even if you look at the advanced analytics, again, I know he's not going to stand out in terms of WAR. He's not going to be a guy who walks. And but Harold Castro played multiple positions. Some of them pretty good or solid. He did a Pitch solid well. job out there. Pitch well. Pitch, him and Cody Cummins <laughs> both. And. They did. A, they did a good. He did a good job this year. So Harold Castro should definitely. That's a that's a good call, Richard. I didn't. I, the reason why I didn't consider him is because the body of the work of the bullpen is so strong. Um, but as far as breakout player, surprise player for me, I would have to say in terms of just overall production and just in terms of putting up another consistent year, would be Eric Koss. I, I there to me that that second year in the majors is always the toughest one. And that is always a year. That's a, a determination whether you're going to stay in the big leagues or not. Because think about it this way. Until last year, he's put up some great numbers, but he also was a guy who struck out a 30% clip. But he's been hitting for average, hit for power, and he did it again this year. And that, to me, says something that you belong on major league roster. It wasn't a flash in a pan. We did have one candidate that they uh, right, breaked out, good old friend of the show, Mitch, 
breakout Kerry Carpenter, double A MLB. That is spot on, Mitch, because no one expected the 19th round pick out of Virginia Tech in the 2019 draft to be in the major leagues this year. Nobody. And if you were to tell me, if you told me in the beginning of the year that Kerry Carpenter would be on this roster, I would have said you're nuts because he started off really good in the year last year, really good two months, and just tailed off. And this year was all about consistency with him. And he was hitting the ball hard. Even the, the in terms of data, like the advanced data down in the minor leagues, some of it were privy to. Carpenter backed it up. And in terms of even outfield-wise, defensively, he got a little better. He's still an average defender. But, again, if he can adjust to hitting the off-speed and breaking balls this next year, which is something that Hinch was talking about, I think the Tigers, he could be somebody that – he definitely earned a, a opportunity to show what he can do in spring training. Absolutely. So I, I think we should move on to our, our disappointing player now because that's too easy. I mean, <sighs> it's too easy to me. I'll stick with what I said earlier about Tucker Barnhart being that disappointing player. Really? I, thought I expected more from Tucker Barnhart this year and we didn't get, we didn't see a streak of consistency this year. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go with Torkelson because I feel like that's just beating a dead horse at this point. So I was I was just going to go with Casey Mize because I know he got injured, but I just think people hold Torkelson to such a high standard, and I don't think they keep that same energy for uh, for Casey Mize. Like, Casey Mize was the number one overall pick, too, and it's like he's already 25 years old. He'll be 26 next year. He's going to miss the majority of the season. He's never made an all-star team, and this is a guy that when we drafted him, he had expectations to be this team's ace, to – to be a Cy Young level pitcher, and that just hasn't happened yet. Like I I saw Rogers tweet, Cody Clemens pitched more innings this year than Casey Mize, and uh, it's just been disappointing because I think people hold Spencer Torkelson to such a high standard, being the number one overall pick. I don't think people are holding Casey Mize to that same standard. If, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season where I thought Casey Mize would be right now, I would have told you he would have had a, an All Star level season and, and really broke out and. Fortunately, that just hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to go with Casey Mize. Uber? That's a good call. I went with Jamer Candelario. I really felt that if this team was going to fulfill their highest aspirations this year, a lot of it was going to come down to some of the veteran sticks taking their game to even another level. And obviously, Candelario was, was very solid in 2021 and 2020. So... I thought really either his game this year was going to take another step ahead or at least plateau as a solid contributor that he, that he had been the last couple of seasons. And obviously, as we saw, he tanked. He went completely the other direction to the point where he was borderline unplayable other than the fact that they had no depth behind him. They had to play him. The other thing was his defense regressed. I thought he was at least an average defender. There were times early in the season where and again, you can be very wrong trying to read body language, but he looked like one of those guys who was hoping the ball did not get hit to him. He just did not look confident in the field. So it was really a pillar to post, not a good season for Candelario. He, to me, is representative of a lot of the veterans on this club and on offense that just didn't meet the mark of what was set for them. Yeah. So hopefully, I'm actually of the belief that he, there's a lot of people think he's gone. I don't. 
I think it's going to be hard to replace everybody in this lineup that, that needs replacing. And at least Candelario has some track record of success. And I think that he could be a patient hitter that it sounds like Harris is looking for. With that said, though, if they want to save some money, they will probably get rid of him somehow. Yeah. Well, Richard, in terms of the Miggy, I don't know, man. I just feel like at this point, you can't really slander Miggy. No, it's not necessarily slander Miggy. I, I, Miggy. Miggy. Uh, <laughs> Miggy. There's not slander. Richard has a point. Five yeah. home runs is not suck. But also at the same time, being down there and you realize that his knees are pretty much done, he's not getting that same kind of lift on his on the ball, although he, a lot of balls are still hidden. That's he, he is what he is now. That's all it is to it. It's not necessarily slander. Richard has a good yeah. point for what, however, the, the outcry from uh, like, we talked about this last week and about some of the people just flipping out because, Oh, they're wasting a roster spot on them. They'll find a way to they, use them. They don't have a choice. They don't have a choice, but they'll find a way to use them. Whether they platoon them against lefties, whatever they have to do. But knock it off. Oh, it's, it's the hurting development of people. Look, yeah. the Tigers, as much as I've talked about the minor league system being great, and there's a couple guys that will definitely bring up when Andre Lipsius and Chris has been coming around with him on Libyus train since he got drafted. There is, you still, there is, in terms of internally development wise, you still have a few players that are a couple, a year or two away. A like Colt Key, for example, he's doing really well in the Arizona Folly, but. He's coming off shoulder surgery. You don't know what's going to his numbers going to be in Erie next year. Parker Meadows is somebody that could come up next year. They have a lot of tough decisions to make in the Rule Five, and I shared the link in our chat with uh, Chris did earlier with at least the infielders. But as far as disappointing players, get back to what we're discussing. I what Christopher said is in there is Christopher said Jonathan Scope in the YouTube chat, and I would have to agree with that, but. Uh, I'm gonna stick to I'm gonna stick to what I said earlier about Tucker Bernhardt being that disappointing player because I, I expected that. But Scope also to me Scope was if Scope did at least 20 or 25 home runs, I, I think the Tigers may have won a few more games. But when you when you have a pitching staff, if you're the opposing if you're the opposing team, knowing full well that you can throw a fastball Donovan or Spencer Turkelson, Jonathan Scope, and get away with it. It changes up the strategy. The Tigers could, again, Hinge can only do so much with the lineup he's given. And we have Harold Castro batting cleanup. <laughs> it's just that, that tells you everything you need to know. And Jeremy's saying it, it was a freakish bad season. They'll never happen again. Probably. You're probably right. It was, but again, also, I think just being down there more, I just realized, like, again, this is my opinion. I could be wrong, but just getting the vibe that there was that level of disconnect with the level of disconnect with Avila from the rest of kind of the people that are working there, I felt there was a level disconnect, big time. And you, again, when people are like, fire veal, I'm like, just calm down. It was going to happen. Not because I knew it was going to happen. I'm, I wasn't, I'm not saying that I knew or anything like that, but the vibe down there was, there was change coming. But as far as the biggest moment of the year goes, there is Miguel. There's some, there's some good moments. Yeah, there's Miguel, milestone-wise, he, he, Killed milestone wise. Every so. every hit was pretty much a milestone. Almost. Eh, like every hit he was like passing up like Oh, okay. In yeah. that in that regard, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you. I was just saying, like, every hit he had was a miracle. I'm like, oh, he's still a hitter. But <laughs> yeah. I think in terms of moments, biggest surprise. I mean, in terms of like biggest moments, I will say it's not a mo- like a necessarily a moment, but uh, let's see here. 
I'm going to say the, the biggest moments were Garrett Hill and Bo Brisky coming in and being effective. Let's talk about that for a second because those are moments that we did not see coming because if the Tigers had their rotation healthy, these guys would have been in Toledo. And Toledo did a master class of putting a rotation together because the Tigers' injury, it was just infirmary out there. So to me, the, like Bo Brisky start in Los Angeles against the Dodgers, against that lineup – was able to be somewhat serviceable to me. That was a moment early on in the season when the Tigers, before they went full, but they went up against the Dodgers. Bo Brisky went in there. He did that, and he went in the Boston pitch pretty well. So to me, that's why it stands out because it's not often. And Youper, you can attest to this. How many times have we seen a rookie pitcher get blown up in those two spots? Not so being LA, LA, we could reverse that to call it for the Angel Stadium in Anaheim. Every time that happens, a Tiger rookie pitcher for the first time is just like, and Brisky went in there with ice in his veins. Yeah, he did. And I thought he did a really good job. And so that's where I I think, to me, where that that is the, the, in terms of moments. And, uh, and Walter had a question about uh, Riley. We'll get to that question, too. I, I'm going to yeah. star that one, so save it for later. All right. What do you got, Youper? What was your favorite? Best moments of the year, obviously, they involve Vic Grace. Oh, yeah. Um, kidding me? He had a walk off. I remember back, that. Oh, back to back home runs with Vic Reyes and Riley Green to walk off that game on July 2nd. Probably the best game of the year. Walk off double for Vic versus the Padres. And don't forget the sneaky walk off sack fly against Liam Hendricks, who didn't have a standing ovation for the walk off sack fly. So Vic Reyes yeah. was my man. I'm going to miss him. I think he's probably gone. It's a sad day. Hang hang your head. But that's okay. Vic went out on a high note. Absolutely. For me, mine was, so Miggy obviously got his 3,000th hit, but shortly after that, Spencer Torkelson had, had a three-run home run. And I think that was, that was really great because it seemed like it was a passing of the torch type of moment. And this was obviously still very early in the season, so there was still a lot of hope and a lot of excitement around the Tigers. So that was really the moment I look at because it was like it was like it was a passing of the torch to me that uh, that's what I thought it was that was a really exciting moment for me so I'm gonna have to go with that one all right Very good that's good that's good stuff because again I think that having that to me there's just so many little little things that we don't think about that I'm glad that we have all kind of unique answers to that but as far as that goes is for in terms of uh, see we I think we covered it all but we're not going to do an inside. Okay, so I know we'll probably do – we should do our one last inside number of the year. So we're going to do our inside of numbers, and then we'll quickly do the good, the bad, the ugly before we get to the questions for the show. But, uh, yeah, let's 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 go into the inside numbers because there's – with the way the postseason – I think there's a lot of things that went down in the postseason, how the postseason ended – or, excuse me, the last week of the season, rather, went – there's a lot of things to talk about, a lot of good numbers out there. I was, of course, stalling for time to find the music bed when I was doing that because I didn't have the music bed ready. I, was, I lost them in my place. So when I'm starting to put extra words in something that I know for a fact I can just simply go like that, I, for whatever reason, don't have the inside number. I do have it, but I don't have it. Anyway, whatever. Okay, I'll, I'll right. kick it off. Yeah, for go, you ahead. Guys. Uh, go ahead. So mine's a little off topic. So today is October 6th. This is the 
I believe 13 year, 12 year anniversary of the tiebreaker game 163 against the Minnesota Twins. And my stat is 146. And that is how many days that the Tigers spent in first place in 2009. They were the first team to blow a three game lead with four games left to go. Sorry for bringing this up, guys. But yeah, I believe that the 146 days in, in first place, I believe is the third most. I think the Mets topped that this year. But uh, just on the anniversary, it was in the back of my mind, so I thought I'd bring it up. It was a great ball game, one of the best games I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I, they could have won in any any number of ways. Inge got hit. That Inge got hit. Inge got hit. Yeah. Granderson got doubled off. I couldn't believe it. I was swearing up a storm. What I remember from that year the most is the Tigers just ran out of starters in September. They basically had Verlander and Porcello yeah, as wasn't only – yeah, uh, operative, operable starters down the stretch, and they damn near got in anyway, but it faded away. That's tough. What was it the Jordan? Was it the Jordan top? No, no, it was uh, Alfredo Virgil Figaro. No, uh, oh, Virgil Vasquez. Yeah, yeah, that was another, that was a guy. That's a name yeah. I heard. Wasn't Porcello a rookie too? Yep. Yeah, rookie. He he started that game a rookie. Rick Porcello. Yeah. It was it was very remnant of the rookie start by Jared Wright in the 1997 World Series. They were the Guardians and the Marlins a little bit. They were trying to win that game, the division in late September, running Eddie Bonine out there to start. Eddie Bonine. (sighs) So they damn near did it. Wow, that's a name (laughs) I've heard in a long time. All right, Uber, what's your inside number? Wow. My number is 254 and 50.8%. New York Yankees had 254 home runs this year. That was 50.8% of their runs came on home runs, which led baseball. Uh, as much as I don't love the Yankees and I certainly detest Aaron Boone, I'm a little worried what they're going to do in the playoffs because home runs is what carries you in the playoffs. You're going to hear some talking head somewhere talk about small ball and how you got to manufacture runs to win in the playoffs. It's all a lie. It's all home runs. Last year in the playoffs, the team with the most home runs went 25-2 and two in, in games last year. 49.8% of playoff runs last year came on home runs, which is right where the Yankees were a little bit better than that in the regular season. That was the third highest number ever. And all three of the top three are since 2017. Look for long balls to win. That's why I really believe the Yankees are in good shape as much as I hate it. And that's why I think Cleveland probably uh, a really un- might struggle to score runs in the postseason. But the only proviso there is... You look at the Royals the year they won. Everybody talks about their contact hitting and blah, blah. Total bunk. They got on a home run binge in October. So even a bad, uh, a, a non-power team can do that. So that's going to be Cleveland's only hope. Yeah, and also Cleveland led the league in lowest strikeout rate. So they don't strike out a lot. So that, that does bode for them. So it's funny, Uper, that my inside number actually works with yours because cool. my number is 24.6. And 243. So the reason why I mentioned that is because the 24.6 is a strikeout rate for the Braves. So among the top five in the league, that's they're the only team in the postseason. However, the 243 is second best amount of home. They have the second most amount of home runs in all of baseball. So and that yeah, and that they in terms of war too. If you're talking about that really in terms of war, they were just in the top ten at. 27 point, I'm sorry, I misread that. 
in terms of fans, according to fan graphs. So another interesting fun fact about the top 10 teams is that with the exception of Milwaukee, all of them are in the postseason. So Philadelphia is number 11, in case you were curious. Yeah, but that that to me, you're, you're dead on, Uber, because that was the reason why Atlanta was able to overtake New York the last year. Yep. I mean, New York was in first place, I believe, over 157 games of the season, and Atlanta just kept wow. Atlanta just kept going at it, kept going at it, kept going at it. And the, by the way, the Mets, all the teams that list in the postseason, have only 171 home runs. So they're a pitching-dominated team. So if this team, if Mets can't get their bats going power-wise, they're they're going to have a very short run. The Braves are the only team in baseball never swept this year. Wow, yeah. really? Yep. Yeah, and you know it's funny? The Dodgers, with their 110, 111 victories, I would think that the Dodgers would be up there too, but they haven't. So they at least got swept once. I think they got swept by the Pirates. I think it was. Yeah, so. yeah that was that was laughable. But again, but Pittsburgh's also terrible, and the Dodgers are one of the postseason and one. Yeah. Anyway, all right, that was our inside number. So now let's just go. No music for the good and the bad, the ugly. Let's go quickly through this. You, uh, what is your good and bad, the ugly this week? I'll be real quick. My good was I enjoyed seeing Cole Keith get back on the field this week in the Arizona Fall League. Get off to a nice quick start. Been gone since June 9th that we figured out last year, last week. Uh, so it's good to see him recover from the surgery and get on the field. And hopefully he has a good 30-game run here in the AFL. Yeah. Uh, no, go ahead, Yuver. My bad, as much as I hate to say it, Gregory Soto, those last two games, the games are meaningless, right? It doesn't really matter. It just gives a lot of fodder. You have to listen to a lot of the people who enjoy banging on Soto. Really, the, the first game wasn't that big of a deal. He gave up a ground ball single. There's a runner on second because of its extra innings. He gives up a, a five-hopper through the middle. One decently hit single. And then a lazy fly, ball sack fly, game over. Okay, big deal. You, you really can't pin that on him. The last game, he didn't look so good. I'll, I'll certainly cop to that. But I still think Soto is someone, I don't know what his trade value is. I still think he's back next year, only because he's talented. And you don't give up on somebody that talented. And done it enough where he should keep getting chances. They kept bringing back Joe Jimenez. Now, again, we have to figure out what, what is Scott Harris's uh, MO on this. So we'll see. My ugly, it's just really the season of Austin Meadows. When that trade was made, it really had it really gave a lot of people that extra bit of hope that this season was going to be something the Tigers could climb over 500, get into fringe contention. When the trade happened, I bumped up my win total prediction by two. I thought it was a great move. And then we just saw everything that could go wrong go wrong. We don't know what really is that the root of everything? It's going to be a mystery until we see him on a field again. And that's that's unfortunate. He's a good ball player with a lot of power. So what's yeah. going to happen with him? Nobody knows. It's certainly a big X factor going into 2023. Absolutely. Raja, do think it's a well, good time to pull up that LV with McDonald's? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, while the reason why we got laughed for a moment was Luke from the Michigan Trouble podcast with this comment here that I missed the moment of the year it has to be Al Avila getting fired. Last I heard, he's the current general manager of Ruby Tuesdays in Flip, Michigan. Good for Al. Now, John created a image earlier that I told him not to post on Twitter, but if anybody's really interested in it, we'll share it with people. But I just thought, okay, I don't look the, the man kick him while he's down. Yeah. Kick him while he's down already. I, I, enough <laughs> is enough. 
Like, and listen, Ruby Tuesdays has a hell of a salad bar. Yeah, that's why. That's why I put that picture up, Uber. Because now, come on now, that, the Ruby that Tuesdays. Is, that's that's a banger of a salad bar. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> they're, they're the little ham. Everything about that salad bar. There's a lot of them have been closed around me, unfortunately, around here. I don't know about you down in Iowa, or up where you live, John. But Ruby Tuesdays rules. Their salad yeah. bar, fantastic. Alavila could have found a lot worse places to live. Yeah, good for yeah. Alan, man. Good yeah, they turned the the Ruby Tuesdays. By my house is now a Culver's. Ooh, so, Culver's is solid too. Culver's is solid too, but I, I'm not gonna lie. I admit I miss Ruby Tuesdays. I miss that salad bar, clutch salad bar, clutch clutch salad. Yeah, bar. So, I agree. But um, uh, anyway, all right. I'm I'm hungry, so that doesn't help either. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, John. What's your right. good, mad, the ugly? So I'm gonna keep it really simple. My bad is there's no more Detroit Tigers baseball. That's a little disappointing, but my good. In fact, my great is just the postseason is here. And I think this is going to be the best postseason we've had in a long time. I, I love the new format. I think it's going to be really exciting. And I just think some of the teams and some of the players we're going to get to see, having young, exciting teams like the Mariners and the Blue Jays and the Indians, the Phillies are finally back in the postseason. The Cardinals, we're going to get to see Pools and, and Wainwright and Molina, their last run at a World Series. So we're going to get to see what Aaron Judge does. The Astros and Dodgers are, are better than ever. Like, th- this is going to be such an exciting postseason. And I think the new format is, is going to do a lot of good. And I- I'm just really excited for, for the postseason. I-, I can't believe it starts tomorrow. <laughs> I-, I can't wait. So that that's not my good. That's my great, man. Postseason baseball, it's, it's the best time of the year for me, honestly. I, I can't wait. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Your new format should be interesting. The best of three, with the higher seed having the home field advantage, which is clutch. So that plays into really for a lot of. If we look at it real quick, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because we will. We'll be definitely. We'll be definitely talking postseason. We'll be doing videos throughout the next couple days or so, talking postseason. So. We're not, of course, yes, we are a Tigers podcast, granted, but we're also going to switch gears. I did an MLB article previewing it the other day for Woodward. So we're, we're changing gears a little bit, but as things happen with the Tigers, of course, we'll keep you updated. But uh, Seattle has a tough task to go to Toronto, and uh, Toronto is a very – you talk about a home field advantage in terms of true home field advantage. Blue Jay fans are – I mean, if you've seen when the Raptors went on win the title a few years ago – how many people were out standing outside of? I forgot where the name of the arena is where the Raptors Oof. play. I think it's Air yeah. Can- is it the Air Canada Center or I believe, yeah. okay. I'm, I, I thought they changed names, but anyway, there was a they come out for it. The Jays were when the Jays were doing every time they hit in the postseason, the Jays fans come out big time. They're loud. That's a tough place for Seattle to play. Tampa against Cleveland doesn't matter. Tampa, Tampa. I, it, Tampa can play anywhere. It doesn't matter. But yeah, same thing. With, in terms of the only, the only one, the, the series I'm interested in looking forward to the most, which is the night game tomorrow at 807 on ESPN, is the Padres and the Mets. Oh my goodness! Only that... because, only because you have the 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 Padres. All the trade moves this a little bit disappointing. So they spent a lot of their minor, their, their excuse me, their prospect capital getting themselves here. And so we'll see what happens against a very, very good Mets rotation. And then the Mets rotation is what's going to carry them throughout the postseason. Yeah. yeah. Don't sleep on the Padres rotation. You got Musgrove, Darvish and, and Blake Snell. That, that's a pretty good one, two, three. 
Yeah, but like I said, I'm I'm still like I said, I I have some skeptical whether their the offense will get it done against that rotation. So as far as predictions and all that stuff, I we don't have time for that right now. But we'll again we'll talk about that more. As far as so the good and bad, the ugly this week for me is simply some of the minor league stuff because I've been digging deeper into the analytics of it all because I've been doing a series on Lakeland Flying Tigers. The West Michigan one I'm starting to work on this weekend. So I was going to do one story on the on the Lakeland Flying Tigers. I was going to do pitching and hitting. But when I started going to numbers and everything, I realized I had to separate the articles because I would have over 3,000 words, something like to that effect. Because Lakeland this year, in terms of like just some of the numbers that stand out, among the Flying Tigers, you have so since 2006, the Tigers have had six players who've hit double, who's had 20 or more doubles under the age of 20. So you're talking Nick Cassianos, Gorky's Hernandez, and Cameron Maven. All three played in the major leagues. Yep. Now you have three, so six of them. The next three all happened this year. So again, it, it, it's I'm not saying this is the the new wave and, and, and what have you, but it's encouraging because you had, you had Campos, you had Pacheco, and I think it was Santana was the other one that all hit 20 or more doubles. And or I think it was Sequeiro. No, I'm sorry. Sequeiro, no, Manuel Sequeiro. Cause he was, he let, he was fourth, fourth among all the prospects in the system in doubles with 28. So that's good. And again, yeah. it, it's it's an outlier for things to come in the major leagues. Who knows? Low A, you don't really again, this, if if anybody pays attention to what I say, just stay just pay attention to this. Don't judge a minor league player until they get to double A. If they get to double A and they're doing well or they have a really good year in high A, just wait till you see them in double A. And don't do yourself a favor. I'm gonna tell everybody out there, and I'm looking right in the camera. Do not, for the love of Christ, judge a box score. Watch the player, make your own assessment. Don't copy what a scout said. Don't make your own observation. It's okay to be wrong. It is okay to be wrong. Just know your shit, back up what you're saying, and it might not matter because some sites might ignore you completely. <clears throat> but there's one that, again, I'll just keep my mouth shut about that. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So, Questions. All right. So my bad and the ugly really are just mixed together. And that's the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers, I thought were, in terms of bad, I thought Milwaukee was going to make the postseason this year. I thought they were going to win the Central. But again, they got cheap. They traded hate, uh, Hater. Yeah, I thought that. I don't know. Did that really make a difference? Well, no, let me let me finish what I was going to say. I was just going to say it didn't make a difference in the long run, but because you had Devin Williams back there, but still it pissed off the fans because yeah. it's like saying, look, and haters' velocity was down. There's a lot of things that are signaling that the, the Brewers are right about that. But again, this is a team who was expected to get the postseason and did not. And they had to wait till the last run of the season. And the ugly to me is simply the White Sox, the way that they ended the season all in like burning flames. It was Tony Russo resigned. So he's not going to be come back as a White Sox manager. Somebody asked me in somebody in DMS, a White Sox gentleman asked me if he thinks George Lombard would be a good manager candidate for the White Sox. I think he would. I, I, that's a good, that's a good call there. I think George Lombard, 
I said I could work with Detroit, but if the White Sox came calling, he would be next manager. That'd be a good idea. So he, Lombard, George Lombard has done Lombard. George Lombard has done a really <laughs> job with the Tigers, and so yeah. And Walter, yeah, Walter, there he goes. It takes it takes it home. The Brewers also blew three games late over the weekend. This is a yeah. team that's it's, it's unacceptable. So yeah, yeah Christian, yeah, Christian Yelich fell off the face of the earth, honestly. Yeah, and yeah, and that's yeah. We, like I said, I can go deeper and deeper into it, but. We're just over an hour right now, and I want to keep this a little short and concise because the next couple of weeks we're going to have some, some hopefully guest-wise, we'll have some big guests that we'll take all the time for. But I'm not, of course, don't say anything because we have to confirm everything. All right. Sure. That being said, question. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I'm sorry. I wanted to mention that we did have one good and one good and bad, and that was from our friend of the show, Mark who's been a solid contributor asking questions all, all year long. So first and foremost, thanks, Mark, for always listening. And he DM this. He DM me this. He didn't ask me a question this week. He said, hey, Raleo, no questions for this week. Just a couple of comments for the, good por- for the good portion of the good, bad, and ugly. Good for Matt Shepard to finally speak up, admitting that the team needs to set higher expectations. And good job to you, Chris Uper, for all the content providing during this difficult season. Well, Mark, thank you very much. We appreciate that. And it means a lot. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Mark's a man of the people. So I appreciate that. And yeah. All right. Question wise. So we did get a couple questions. John, do you have the questions organized or am I? uh... We we had some in the chat that that you starred that we can go to. Yeah, I have one right here. Who do you guys have as a dark horse for a postseason hero this year? Was it postseason hero or? Yeah, postseason hero. I think that one team that we talk about home runs in the playoffs that could go absolutely go berserk if 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 things fell right would be the Phillies. They got a lot of dudes with power. And if you tell me that Reese Hoskins has a three home run game, wouldn't shock me. You tell me Kyle Schwarber has a three home run game, wouldn't shock me. Bryce Harper, a three home run game, sure. They got a lot of dudes who put the <laughs> ball in the seats. So I'll, I'll say I'm going to go with Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I'm going to go with someone from the Indians. Maybe like a guy like Stephen Kwan. I just think if the Indians are going to make any noise this this postseason, they're going to need some hitter to step up and, you know, carry that offense. Like we've seen with, for example, like Randy Rosarena in 2020 really carried the, the Rays to World Series. I feel like someone is going to have to break out for the, for Cleveland and really have a strong postseason. So I'll go like a guy like Stephen Kwan or Austin or Oscar Gonzalez, someone like that. I could see really breaking out. What do you got, Raj? Oh, as far as as far as candidates go, if I'm going to break it down, because I want to break it down by two American League and National League, respectively. So for me, I think Vladimir Guerrero is going to be the breakout for Toronto because any other year. Guerrero would have maybe gotten MVP consideration, but being how Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani have had these seasons of epic Hall of Fame type seasons, Guerrero overshadowed. But I thought this year, as far as what he's been valuable for Toronto for, I think if he puts out a show, I think that if he, among, look, it's a total team effort. Don't get me wrong, Toronto's got to give him everybody, but considering that they fired their manager midseason because they expected more. And a lot of things about Guerrero, he's he lost some weight. His numbers, again, look kind of pedestrian if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. 32 home runs, 97 RBIs, flash line, 274, 339, 480. But in terms of what he is, 
if he if he has a breakout year, a breakout postseason, and he had a four war. Again, a Judge had a ten point war. That being said, though, I think that if if he goes out there and mashes the ball and takes this game to another level, I think it's going to help out Toronto big time. So that's for me. And as far as the National League goes, and I, I also was going to put Alex Alex Manoa too as a consideration too because again, I think he's got some really nasty stuff and he's not talked about enough, at least in my opinion. That guy was game by game by game money this year. Steady. Yes. He did not give a f and what he was. He came up with really good clutch situations too. And so I, I, I totally 100% think that if he does well, as far as the National League concerned, breakout, I mean, it's we're talking about people we're not familiar with, not exactly household names, because I can easily say Max Scherzer or all that, but you know what you're going to expect from Max Scherzer and everything. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Cardinals and because the Cardinals have some new faces and I think Nolan Arenado is going to make himself be known this postseason. I think he's nice. going to be the big postseason breakout guy. That'd be that'd be cool. We had one from Walter as well. He said, uh, "What did you guys think of Riley Green in the in the three spot and Javi Baez in the two spot to end the season?" I liked it. I, I think Riley Green. I, I could also see him in the two spot easily. You can flip or put him in the two spot because he's a, a better hitter for contact. But I, I don't know. I, I like that for next year as a possibility. If if Baez can get back to having those numbers he had in the second half of the season. If he starts off the same, if he starts off the first half of the season, like he ended the second half, then yeah, that, to me, I, I like that. Yeah. I, I think long-term that's where we want, going to want it to, how we want to see things that green can get to his power in games. Uh, that's what the tigers need. And that's that yells three hole hitter. I don't think we want him to be a, a leadoff hitter for a long time. <laughs> yes. And yeah, Baez, Second year in a row, we had a stronger second half than the first half. Who knows what that means for next year? But, yeah, I think I envision a, a competitive lineup more with him in the two-hole than the three-hole. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And then we had another question from Ty Cobb. This was a really good one. Not not actually Ty Cobb. He said, who do you guys – Yeah, yeah. Who do you guys think is going to be the 2023 Tigers Rookie of the Year? That, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> I can I – can. I wish Chris was here for this because I think Chris would be have some good candidates for it. But right now, it'd be right now, off the top of my head, without giving, we had a, a few, we had a, an hour to think about it. But for me, I would have to say if it's somebody, if, the, if I'm talking about somebody who's going to make the 40 man roster next year, it would be a contributor to the roster. Screw it. I'm going to say it. Andre Lipsius. All right. I could see I, it. Again, doesn't have the power numbers, but he walks. He's walked at every level. He plays good defense everywhere. And I think he's going to be a better hitter than his numbers indicate right now. He had, I think he put up some really good numbers towards the end of Toledo. So I'm going to go with Andre Lipsius as my 2023 Tiger Rookie of the Year. I'm going to believe it. You know what? I'm going to go bold because I I was going to say Winslow Perez, but the back problems are concerning. And from what I heard, there's those back injuries and we talked about this numerous times back injuries if they're lingering it's never good because you use so much with your back you don't people don't think about it but i always think of that larry bird 30 for 30 or a sports entry where he, he took the back inverter machine went out to the woods and shot it because you have to he had to do certain things with his back in order to even play a game so 
But yeah, that's that's who okay. I line would be. So is Ryan Credler still a rookie? Technically, technically, yes, he would be. I would probably have to go with him because I think he's probably going to make the roster and he he can play everywhere in the infield. I believe he even played some outfield last year. I just think with his hand injury this year, I think that really hampered him offensively. I can see him getting back to how he was more to how he was in 2021. So I'm going to have to go with him. Uh, another guy that came to mind was Reese Olsen. If he could find a way to, to get a spot in the Tigers bullpen, I think he could be a solid contributor. But I think 2023, there's not really a lot of guys that stand out to me that are, are going to come up and have be able to make an impact. Like guys like Parker Meadows, who's Rule 5 eligible. I don't see him really getting much time in the outfield. Winsel Perez, I I would be shocked if he's an an opening day starter. So I'm going to go with probably Ryan Credler. I think that's a safe pick. All right. Very good. Played safe. I don't blame you. For me, a lot depends on what Scott Harris's plans are and what he's able to pull off. Obviously, the Tigers' offense being shut out, whatever it ended up being 21 times, scoring two runs uh, like clockwork, they need a lot of offensive help. That tells me, and I'm sure many others listening, they're going to be on the market for some veteran bats to come in here. How many at-bats does that leave rookies next season? Hard to say right now. That's why I'm going to look toward a pitcher. To me, it's a coin flip between Wilmer Flores and Reese Olsen, whether it's out of the bullpen for either of them or a start a starting role or maybe a combination of the two. I, would, I, I know Reese Olsen has his detractors, but I love those strikeout numbers. Why can't that translate to a bullpen role or a swingman role? And I'm going to go with Reese Olsen, just a dark horse rookie of the year pick. That's a good one. I want to. Flores, in terms of, uh, see, Ty Cobb, 4194 said his guess would be Parker Meadows for rookie of the year. Walter yeah. Briggs said, Flores, look, I I want to believe that Walter, or excuse me, I, Walter. If I'm going to do, if we had to do it separately, I'd put him as my rookie Tiger Pitcher of the Year. So if we're doing it two separate categories, then he would be that. And, and Parker Meadows, Ty, I think what's going to happen with Par- if, if Parker Meadows makes the team or gets called up, I think he's going to start off slow like he did at Double A, and then well, eventually we'll get better if he does. But oh yeah, Joey um, Wentz. Oh, Joey, yeah, it's true. That, I didn't think uh, about Michael, that. Michael yeah. Meyer always. Michael Meyer, I like about Michael. He'll come in the chat and just shoot a three. <laughs> and he does it and he just like swish every time because every time he just comes in and just you forget he's there all of a sudden he's like an assassin he just hits a three-point from the corner he's vinnie johnson yes hey, he's vinnie the johnson Mike. yes yes Uber. he's perfect. the microwave yeah, he's the microwave maybe there's some people in this room who may not know who that is and uh, yeah i i, I think <laughs> or he's the guy that comes off the bench cold and gives you a nice clutch double there we go so anyway that's a good john one. grubb john grubb <laughs> that's a reference or uh, but anyway, so yeah, that's those are those are really good candidates. But I think I think depends on how it depends how they use Flores. Like I, there's a lot. Of, it, I think it's it's a really split camp between whether Flores will end up with a bullpen or a start in the major leagues. So I think he might be a guy that you could put in the back end of a bullpen on his stuff. But also that start against Somerset in the postseason, six innings against a, a very good. A very good Patriots lineup that we saw that that they totally exploited the Tiger. I felt like though in some ways there was some sort of shenanigans going on, by the way, because there was a lot of they knew there was whistling and stuff like that that was going on and and yeah. So anyway, so let's yeah, 
Any? Yeah. I didn't have any other ones. I don't know if you had any, Rush. Oh, so wait. Hang on a second here. Oh, Chris, to come in the chat. Come on in. Wait, get in here. Chris Brown, if you're listening right now, get in here real quick. Yep. I'll give you the floor for five minutes. Go on in. Chris All right. Brown. Okay. Chris Brown. So was there any other questions on Twitter, John, did you see? or? I don't believe so. I, I have one question. Just just real quick. Who is – so every year the, tig- the Tigers have not obviously been making the playoffs. So every year you can find a team that you root for, you get behind, that you become a fan of for a little bit. Who is your guys' team this year in the playoffs that you're kind of like – gonna get behind that you're rooting for you guys have i always root for the rays they're kind okay. of my second team if, if the tigers are on tv i'll watch the rays all year and i i grew up with wtbs and uh, the braves so i'm always a soft braves fan so i'd love to see a braves rays world series okay i'm mine for me it'd have to be cleveland just because i think they're i love the way they play they don't strike out they put the ball in play they have really good pitching. They play really good defense. I really – they remind me of the, the Nationals, of the 2019 Nationals a bit, just because the Nationals, they, they didn't strike out a whole lot. They put the ball in play. So I, I'm really going to be rooting for the Guardians. You got a team in mind, Raj? Actually, sorry, Chris was – I was trying to get Chris in here before the – and Chris Brown, if you're listening, watching, get in here. Trying to get in, sorry, I was getting distracted. My team – so among my fitted hats – let me just show you. I'll, let me let's just build the fear of the mind of who I'm going to pick. So stay right here because it's literally two seconds. And I'll tell you who I'm rooting for for this postseason. Just give me a second. All right. I should have worn it earlier, but I didn't. But I wanted to keep this as a reveal. Okay. Big reveal, guys. Let, let, let us know. And yeah. Let us know in the comments who you guys are rooting for. Okay. So. For everybody listening at home, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. But right now, for everybody on YouTube, oh, there we go. Julio Rodriguez fan club. That's right, the Seattle Mariners. There you go. I my brother got. I think my brother got me this hat. But when it comes to hats, I collect. The only I have a rule: I don't get anything from the AL Central, and I don't give a. Yankees or Boston Red Sox hat. Because I like that. So those are good rules. Those are just simple rules. They have to be fitted. They have to be a legitimate team. Although I do, I, I take that back. I do have a fake team. And I'm going to get a Woodward one at some point. I'm actually trying to customize a Woodward fitted hat right now. Yeah, and Walter, I want somebody that, I want the Guardians to make a run. Yes. But quite frankly, I'm I, I understand that, John, but I don't care. I, I, <laughs> Seattle, look, Seattle oh, needs it. Seattle needs it. Seattle has a really good lineup. Nah, see, I don't agree with that because I feel like Seattle's so young that they're gonna they're gonna take some growing pains, yeah. But yeah, be... Seattle look... is they're, 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 I feel like the their World Series run is gonna come a couple years from now. I feel like they're everyone has that like that, that learning that growing year oh, I, in the playoffs. I, I understand that, but I, yeah. I think that it's gonna really Seattle's playing with one of my other favorite teams in the American League in Toronto. But I, the reason why I'm going with Seattle because I like new blood, and if, if look if Toronto wins. In that series, I'd be fine with that too. Either whoever comes out, basically whoever, because I also have two Blue Jay caps. So whoever comes <laughs> out of that bracket, I'm I'm cool. I I, I want them to cause a ruckus. I want them mm-hmm. to cause chaos. And Walter, for the record, no, I'm not gonna root for Dave Dombrowski because he had a limited pocketbook, so he was able to build that team pretty quickly. So no to Dave. Well, Dave Dombrowski, fantastic GM. 
but Philadelphia's defense is horrendous, and I don't think they're going to have enough to get there. So yeah, I th- I think the Cardinals are a fun story too. Yes. I know you you guys might not for Tigers fans they might not like the Cardinals, but Pujols, Wainwright, Molina, one last run. I think Arenado and Goldschmidt finally getting into the playoffs is exciting. I, I think the Cardinals are a fun little team too. More not a little team, but I mean in terms of what they're able to do, considering that they have a new manager at the helm and Oliver Mario, who they this guy's I think 30, he's younger than me. So I'm not gonna give him my no age. I don't care. Anyway, 35. He's 35, 36 years old, and yeah. he took over a situation where you had was it Mike? You brought the guy's name again. Mike, the former manager. Matheny. No, no, not Matheny. The one after that, Sindel. Oh, uh, Mike, I can picture him. Yeah, I can picture him too. And I just he was nope. he took him to the postseason a couple times, but because philosophy wise he didn't agree, they went with the guy who was more analytically driven. I believe that was the case. I believe that was the Mike case. Mike Schultz. Mike Schultz. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I just think like for the Cardinals, they don't get talked about in the same breath as like the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Mets. And I think they're in the same category as those teams. And I think they're going to surprise some people this postseason. Or at least I hope so. We'll All right, guys. We'll see. Tell me this. This is we can wrap on this if if unless you guys have something else. Yeah. Settle an argument at work today. Okay. Best fast food side dish. There's only one answer to me that I'll accept. French fries. What do you guys got? French fries. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let's let's get some qualifiers here. It's got to be a national chain, a big time deal, not some regional deal. Yeah. No. Okay. National chain. Okay. okay. National chain wise, but okay. So does that mean I want to get this cleared up that you have the option of choosing your side wherever you go at these national places, said places? Sure. Okay. The reason why I'm asking because every place is different. So I just want to make sure get some clarity. All right, that's a, okay. So, John, you go. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna leave this one up to you, Raj. No, 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 you can answer by all means. Shout it out because it's like side dish. Like I, I go to like Buddy's Pizza. They have a really good salad. Like, yeah, their salad does is that right. count? That, oh, their no, salad, no, no, their count. salad is amazing. That that's okay, but that's their any pasta salad is Dude, clutch. Absolutely. I'll and their any pasta salad. I there's many times I'll, when I'll eat the whole bowl myself. Yeah, me honestly. same here. I will eat the bowl, absolutely. the dressing, the amount of meat they put in there. It's fantastic. Their any pasta salad is probably the best. Onion, so, Burger King. Yeah, onion. there you go. Okay, Michael Meyer, Burger King, onion rings. Oh. There you go. I like that. Oh, one. Bur- there you go. That's good. That's a good one. That's a good one. I don't think that's the winner, but I like that. All right. All right. I, yeah, that's their onion rings with their barbecue. Like, they, there's one thing about Burger King that I like, by the way. They have not messed with the onion rings. They have messed with the fries <laughs> yeah. 500 times. I feel like they've changed their fry recipe all the time. But the onion rings stay constant. And if they ever mess with the onion rings, I'm going to be pissed because that's a good call. Yep. Because every time you have, to me, when you go have onion rings at restaurants like Ruby Tuesdays or something like that, it's so much batter and it doesn't turn out well. The only onion rings that they do do very well on, clearly, and I've talked about this with my wife, is Red Robin. Red Robin's onion rings are consistent. They're good. They're always crispy and all that. All so right. I'm, I'm curious what you have to say, Raj. Okay. So Christopher said, Curly fries, okay. Ar- Arby's curly fries. Are good. Arby's curly, curly fries, fries is good too. But I, if I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about this. It's a tough question to answer. But if I, I would t- have to, I say, can tell you're hungry, right? <laughs> yeah, I am hungry. 
Well, no, Walter, Walter, there's a couple rallies actually by my house. There's like three or four rallies by my house or what they call checkers now. Rallies fries are good, but they have I have to be in the mood for them because sometimes they're way too salty. All right, I'm delaying the answer here. But I would have to say... I can't wait. Man, uh, <laughs> Youper is expecting an answer from me that might see his fancy, but I'm going to have to say the mozzarella sticks at Arby's. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a good side. It's not, that is a decent side. But let me, oh, it's good. The Dallas fries are up there too. Don't get me wrong. But the oh, fries have classic. to be. Every, especially every 12-year-old kid in the country <laughs> is Dallas fries. Yeah. That's the number one. Consistency. They are hot. They are crispy. They are salty. The potato lay, Taco John's. Oh no 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 no! I've never even heard of that. No 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 no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Right here, Youper. I okay. So I couldn't answer this question. But here's the thing, Youper. It was funny. Is you you have a part of why I tried Taco John's? Okay, because let's let's rewind back to the machine here. When Youper and I were just two Twitter followers who love the Tigers and we talk every time. In 2016, I went to see Michigan at Iowa. Okay, and it was by the way going going driving through Iowa from Michigan is one of the top five most boring experiences I've ever had in my entire life. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. That state is boring. Like it's oh, it's dry. Anyway, so I had Taco John's. We're leaving town. We're, we're just it was right outside of the stadium. They have a Taco sure. John's on the main street by Come and Go. Yes, <laughs> you'll okay. come and go. Coming. <laughs> I, I can't see what the street is. I can't even see yo. I've never heard of that place. I'm so... Yeah, anyway, so it, it, it's selective on where it is. But though, I'm sorry, Taco John's was one of the biggest disappointments I had in a long time. It was more disappointing. <laughs> five Guys and Fries. Everybody talks about how good Five Guys and Fries are. And it's okay. It's expensive. It's but... expensive. You get that bag of fries. The fries, when they're really good, when they're on, they're really, like, they're, they're Cajun fries are really good. But Taco John's, oh. those potato Olay things, I was like, what the hell is this? Like as, a fellow Hispan- I was, as, as a Hispanic person, I was insulted because then I knew because then I, it, it, not too not too long later, Taco Bell started doing potatoes and the, the the little potatoes, and those are terrible to me. For me, growing up in a Cuban house and eating a lot of ta- Mexican food that I did, going down to Mexico because I have a, a, several family members, excuse me, family friends that own establishments down in Mexican town. Potatoes were never a thing. You put, you have Papa Rellenos, which is, so Papa Rellenos is, gentlemen, delicious. It's a mashed potato. So take, imagine taking mashed potatoes <laughs> and cooking a bunch of meat and putting it in the mashed potatoes, then putting breading around it. So you Ooh. got this thing coated in breading. My mom used to make these, and they were, I'm not kidding, they were this big. They're as big <laughs> as a softball that I have in my hand right now. Jack in the Box, Walter, unfortunately, I've tried it. I tried their mini tacos. Jack, I've had actually I've had Walter Whataburger and Jack in the Box when I was down in Dallas for work a few years ago. Whataburger was eh. Jack in the Box is clutch. And I also had uh, what's the other place that everybody's talking about in California that's been known as In and Out. In and Out's good. In and Out's fantastic. Yeah, it's good. But anyways, Papa, get back to Papa Diano. So look at this. Okay, so you look at this ball here. So you put the mashed potatoes with the meat in it. It's like this cooked meat, spices and everything. And then you put the mashed potatoes and then you put the breading. My mom would freeze them overnight. And Oof. then in the morning, or then you go fry them. And 
she sold them at Heart Plaza when they used to have the uh, Hispanic. Fe- the, uh, I forgot the name of the festival, but in the late '80s, early '90s, I'd go down with my mom to Heart Plaza and help her sell those things. And Paparinos, you get them a little smaller, like the Goya makes them. Too sounds phenomenal. Yeah, they are phenomenal. So yeah. that to me is potato. Whatever uh, that crap was at Taco John's. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, okay, personal preference. You might like it. I, I personally didn't think well. And in terms of Cuban restaurants, Walter, Vincente's in, in terms of Metro Detroit, Vincente's downtown is really good. I really like that place a lot. They have really good paella. There's Atido Fritos, which is now by across the street from Comerica Park. So if you're walking towards that little quarter, they call it arcade where the MDEN store is by Little Caesars headquarters. There's a Cuban restaurant, fusion restaurant there. It's really good. I would highly recommend that for looking for some quick. Jeremy, for the rice and beans, I would highly recommend Mondo's. There's a lot. There's a lot of places for that. There's uh, Mi Pueblo. See again, this is why Chris Brown should be here because Chris Brown will be singing the praises of Mi Pueblo. <laughs> Mi Pueblo okay. is fantastic. I love Mi Pueblo, but um, honestly, it's, it's okay. But um, we turned into a food pack. <laughs> look, look, look. So I'm, I'm chubby uh, for a reason. All right, and I do. I've, I'm making a point to keep. I've lost weight this year. No, and you just do. It's all moderation. I'm not going to go like, for example, when I was in, when I was younger, my buddies and I would go to Mongolian barbecue and try to eat as many bowls as possible. Those days are long <laughs> gone. I don't do that shit anymore. Cause why I can't keep up with the heavyweights, the heavyweights <laughs> like Sean and easy, or excuse me, Spencer and easy. And like, we had an all you can eat contest and all that. I would I get smoked. I can't do that anymore. Absolutely. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah. But are John, I, and, and look, John, I will say this, seeing John in the office, he's always eating, vegetables he's eating grapes he's very modest he's a good he's man kind of, yeah I like he's, doing, it. he's doing it smart he's smart about it that's how i, I roll yeah but then remember how you're telling me like, why are you eating those oatmeal i would eat the uh overnight oatmeal <laughs> mm-hmm. that stuff is good by the way that's, roast, that's my favorite food oatmeal yeah but, yeah but did you have the overnight oats there from roast no no yeah you should because it's fantastic it keeps me full all day all right so i don't get okay. track, but um, <laughs> yeah i do yeah during the, the the answer to that question in the youtube chat yes i do plan on going to some Red Wing games at some point but right now, until the base, I feel like until baseball is really over, over, I can't relax. I really can't. We still have, we have the coming up on the Tiger Minor League Report side on the website. We have the West Michigan to go through. We have Erie. We have Toledo. Then this, we have a. We're gonna. I'm gonna do an end of the season wrap up article that's coming out. We'll either tomorrow or Saturday. And I mean, it's got four games on Friday, so there's so much going baseball going yeah. on right now. So. Yeah, and I feel like this off season that a lot's gonna happen. I feel yeah. like it's gonna be a very, very interesting off season. A lot, lot of great content coming for yep. sure. We have a lot we're of content. Yeah, we're gonna have a very good time. Got to retire as well, Chris and Christopher. Thanks so much for participating. Everybody on the YouTube chat, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Chris Brown will be back with us next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And until then, go to woodwardsports.com. Check out all the great content. Like I said, we got Woodward Pistons. We got Woodward Wings. We have yeah. Lions content. And we appreciate you guys always supporting the podcast. And, uh, yeah, also check out all our other stuff over at TigerMightyReport.com. We are cranking out content there as well. I'm Rahel Luxiel alongside me, Youper and John. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you very much. Ooh. Ooh.